You're listening to a Project Horse Podcast Extra. Continuing the discussion we laid down in our last main podcast episode, wanted to take additional time here, carry on the momentum from that, get into a little bit more of the rundowns where uh, we kind of ran out of time to talk about, but we were just about to get more into that subject. Right. So we've covered up to stopping the horse off of a draw. And so now it's time to really start paying attention to our rundowns and addressing those. We've added speed, running the horse down the arena and and stopping them, but not not a great deal of speed, but using it to drive the horse forward and to the stop. And we're stopping the horse off of the woe and the draw now. And theoretically, you've just begun stopping the horse off of the draw. We've added speed, stopping the horse off of woe across the arena, but we haven't actually addressed the rundown itself as an actual maneuver. We've really just been building some speed to make it more beneficial for a better stop. We've been used it to enhance the stop, but we really haven't addressed the actual rundown itself. But that's for good reason, because we need to, the more you work on the rundown, the more you lengthen the horse mentally. You teach them to go to to run to to get off your leg and drive forward the more you stop the horse you shorten them mentally you get stopping on the brain they almost you know for lack of a better word soul up shut down don't want to go forward so it's a balancing game between working on my rundowns to lengthen my horse mentally get him to think run free but then if it's too free and i've only done that well that's a problem so now i need to go back and work on my stopping and shorten that horse up mentally so it's like a it's like a cat and mouse game, really, where some days, you know, I'll do, say, two days of the week are my stopping. Come the third day, he may be pretty short mentally. Like He's like, aha, I'm wise to this. I know what we're doing. So now I need to go back and do, say, one, two, maybe three, if he's a real lazy horse, of just rundown work and lengthen him mentally. And then come back and I can get a, a day or two of stopping again. And so it's that balancing act back and forth that's going to eventually get us to go faster and faster and faster and stop better and better and better. So addressing the rundowns now, what I like to do is, and we've covered this, I believe, before in a previous podcast, but starting out the rundowns, there's several ways of doing it that, that we've, we've seen a lot of. And me personally, I feel the best way to start a young horse on rundowns is to Build speed across the arena, and then when you get to the end of the arena, break them down to a jog, jog some circles left or right, depending on the way that they're leaning, and then go back the other way and do the same thing. So what we're doing is, on a young horse, speed with a horse gets them excited mentally. It gets, up, it gets things up and a-going, right? So what we need to do then as trainers is try to find a way to introduce that but not blow their motor in a way or or fry their brain and, and throw something at them that they can't quite handle or that they're not mature enough to handle at this point. So we're teaching them to run to a relaxing point. I've seen a lot of people, they run the horse angled toward the corner of the arena and they and they steer around the corner of the arena almost like they're making like a cigar shape in the arena. They run toward the corner, they steer them around the end, and then they lope a, a large circle down at that end of the arena, softening the horse up. And once he softens up, then they let the horse slow down, come back to that corner, and then they lope down the opposite way down the arena, and they repeat that. And they make like that a big cigar shape with circles on each end 
you know, staying there in those circles, softening that colt up. And then once he softens, they turn loose, let the horse slow down and go back to it. And that definitely is a good drill, I believe, but I don't think it sets, it starts the horse off on a good note to begin his career running down and stopping. I want to have the first experience this horse has with running down to be a positive one. You run down to a relaxation, but we're going to have jogging down there at the end as well. So there is some work there, jogging some circles. So the horse knows there's going to be a relaxing point down at the end of the arena. He's going to have a bit of a, uh, I mean, we're going to slow him down. He can relax mentally and kind of unwind down at the end. So he can look forward to that, but he's not going to crave it and just take off because there is work down there. And no horse is going to run to more work, right? They may think that in the beginning, say you have a barn sour horse. Yeah, he may run to more work if you've done it, say, three times in a row. You've let him run to the barn and then hustled him over there. But as you do it, say the fifth and the sixth time, all of a sudden he's wise to, uh-oh, when I run over here, there's a lot of work. And so what horse in their right mind is going to take up that offer to willingly run back to that barn the 300th time, you know, because there's going to be 10 minutes of hustle your feet and rollbacks, right? So it's the same kind of a principle introducing this. So our first goal is we have, I guess we have really two main things to get across here. Run straight, and even more importantly, run relaxed. Now, there's two different schools of thought. I got to, um, oh, well, there's there's multiple, but the two main ones that, that I see and, and that were brought forth to me as an apprentice were, A, when the horse, run them on a loose rein, and when the horse leans, take them a 90-degree turn the opposite way that they were leaning. Just doesn't matter what lead they end up on. Just turn them the opposite way and head off. Or the other, the other school of thought is have a little bit of contact on their mouth with your two reins as you run them. Have your hands a bit low and a bit wide and kind of guide them, help them a bit all the way to the end of the arena. And I've found that what teaches them to be most confident, and remember, that's one of the two important things we're trying to get across here, right, is build speed and run straight and run confidently. And what seems to really knock both of those out of the park, like a resounding yes, is having a little bit of contact and kind of guiding them down the arena. Why? Because they're a bit lost to begin with. This is completely almost out of the blue to just build speed and run all the way down the end of the arena. And I like to do this on the diagonals. Um, you can do it up and down the arena. I definitely do that as well to mix it up. But I find the diagonals challenges them the most because there's the most opportunity to lean. But it's a, it seems, and when, what I've noticed from other trainers and in doing it myself, having that contact on them not only ensures that they run straighter, but they also are more confident because just all of a sudden, steering them a 90 out of the blue with that added speed and they, you know, they end up on the wrong lead or crossfiring or whatnot, it kind of rattles them because they're kind of shocked. They don't know where they're supposed to go. And as a general rule, especially a good-minded colt, they're not trying to lean and be bad. So if you kind of hold them there on that rundown and show them where to go, it's almost like they're like, oh, hey, thank you. I needed that. Thanks for showing me where to go. It's not like they're doing it maliciously and you have to immediately turn them the opposite way and head off the complete opposite direction. If you just show these colts where to go, nine times out of ten, if they're a, a really nice colt, good-minded, and talented, they pick up on that. Ah, oh, thank you. This is where I need to go. So it seems it, I've found, and, and through watching other trainers and, and learning from other trainers, that 
having that pressure on them with both the reins is the it kind of takes care of both of our both of our problems here. Run straight and run relaxed. It gets both of those done in a young colt. So let's actually get into what the actual exercise looks like. So we'll start down at the end of the arena, and I will worry about the lead departure. I, I do want to make sure that, you know, we'll start in one corner, and I want to make sure that when I lope this horse off, it is a controlled lead departure. I'm not going to just let the horse blast off or throw their head up and just climb a ladder into the lead departure. I will, you know, lope them off on a loose rein, but they need to lope off politely and with a good lead departure. And of course, at that point, I should have been working on it, so it shouldn't be that big of an issue. If it is, I may just slow the horse down to a walk, put him back in frame, turn him loose, set it up again. Or if it was really bad, I may draw him into the ground and back him up, let him sit there for a few seconds, then try it again. Or if I need to, if it's a horse that's kind of struggling with it, I'll pick up on him, put him into frame, keep a hold of him, and lope him off in that frame and help him if I need to. Because again, I can't be stressing out the whole time fighting with a lead departure issue when I'm trying, I've got bigger fish to fry. So if I need to help him there to get it started, I will. But in helping him, yes, it wasn't on a loose rein, but I prevented him from having an offensive lead departure. And that's just building good habits. That's good muscle memory. And so that will eventually translate into being able to do it on a loose rein and having that nice, pretty lead departure. But that's not what we're focusing on. So you can't get bent out of shape about one thing. It's not going to be perfect. They're cults, but it has to be a somewhat pretty, respectful, soft lead departure. Once I've built up, once I've loped him off, then I will go ahead and add a little bit of speed. I'm using my outside leg. So if I'm running the horse on the left lead, it's my right leg. It's almost like my calf against his side is like a gas pedal in a way. The more pressure I apply with that calf, the more he should run. The less pressure I apply with that calf, the more he should slow down. Just like a vehicle on the highway. You press the gas pedal, it goes. You take your foot off, it starts to slow down. It's the same concept here, as well as using my voice to be kind of the uh, propellant to send this horse through our gear systems and building up our speed. So I'll lope him off. And I'll gently press with my leg against him. It's almost like that pressure against his side almost like directs all his energy. It's like you imagine it pushes his belly off of that leg to the side, but your other leg just happens to be there. So what does it do? It redirects it forward and it shoots the horse forward and just drives him forward into that stop. So I'll press with that leg and I'll cluck to draw, to ask that horse to step up that gear. And I just want to step him up one notch to begin with. I want to find a good starting point. So I'm not going to run him any faster than I already have been loping him down to stomp him off of woe. Remember, at that point, we hadn't quite reached that speed off the draw, but we had reached a, a fairly decent speed for a young two-year-old off of woe. So I'll, I won't go any faster than that when I ask him to speed up. Now, if the horse doesn't speed up, then I can bump him with my spurs and encourage him to go forward. Now, at this stage, I don't like to just cluck and then immediately, bam, kick and make them jump forward and take off. I don't think that that is a, a good way to... I see a lot of people do that because they want to make that cluck like, yes, sir, I'm off to the races as soon as they hear it. But I don't think that's a good way to start a young colt off on the right footsteps. And if anything, it teaches them as soon as you cluck, 
to just jump from one from gear number one to gear five all of a sudden. I want it to be a slow and methodical build. So I'll cluck and I'll test the waters. I'll kind of gently bump him with my spurs and I may increase it as necessary. And I should have a good feel for this cult for how gently I can start and where I need to build to. So I don't need to just slowly build up. And by the time I finally build up to the pressure it takes to to get this horse running, I'm out of arena, right? I need to make sure I have a feel for this horse. And I know that, you know, if I bump him at this much, okay, he didn't take that seriously. Well, I know this is where I need to go from there. And I can get the reaction right away when I ask for it. But I don't want to just right out of the gate on a young colt go cluck and then boom and just kick him and make him hustle his feet. You know, I want to preserve that again. What are we going back to? They need to be confident in that rundown. So I loped him off. I've pressed with my outside leg. I've clucked and I've bumped this horse up one gear, one notch in that gearing system. And I have my hands a bit wide, you know, about as wide as my knees and a little bit lower than I may normally would. And I have just slight contact with that bit, just directing him to that point I picked out across the arena in the opposite corner. So once I've reached that speed, then I want him to maintain that speed going down the arena. If he were to slow down, I'll immediately use my legs again to drive him forward to the speed that I've set. I'm not going to press with my leg harder. I'm not going to cluck again. I've set the speed, so he needs to stay there. So if he doesn't, I'll make a correction, not another asking of the cue. I already I already cued. So I'll make a correction and bump him up to the speed he needs to be as we go across the arena. Now, once we get, say, about 30 feet from the end of the arena, I'm going to slowly remove my outside leg, take that pressure off, and then if I need to, I'll draw on those reins. But as I draw on those reins, when I say slowly remove my leg, I don't mean completely remove it. I don't want to be drawing on the reins at the same time that I'm taking my leg off, right? What I mean by is that pressure that you applied with that leg, I want to take it off, but I'm still going to keep it against him because I'm trying to slow him down to a jog not cue him to stop. There's a difference. And as I do it, I'll probably squeeze gently with my other leg too. So as I slow him down to that jog, I'm also softening him up as I do it, right? So he knows that there's a difference between drawing into the ground and bringing him back to a jog from from running him down. I want to have my legs there to collect him up as I slow him down. So it's not like the same cue to slow him down as it was to stop him. So about 30 feet from the fence, I'll pick up, break him down to the jog, but I'm still keeping him straight. Then I'll jog up to the fence, and whichever way he was leaning, either left or right, I'll take him the opposite way now, and I'll jog three or four circles the opposite way he was leaning. Now, if the horse is really stiff through the rundown, if you know he stuck his head upside down and, and was real bracy as he ran down, I may kind of soften him up, turn him loose, soften him up, turn him loose as we do it. If he was pretty pretty chill and relaxed on the rundown, I'm just going to let him hang his old neck out there and jog three, four circles, and then we'll break down to the walk, or we could pick up the lope again from the jog. I'm not real picky about that. A lot of the time, if I was happy with it, I'll break him down to the walk so it's like slows it down for them mentally even more. I like, you know, take my time, be methodical with it. Then I'll lope him off again, still conscious of my lead departure. doesn't have to be perfect. But it does have to be, it can't be ugly or offensive. And then I'll repeat the same thing going the opposite way. I'll build up my speed. I'll ask him to bump up that gear system. Build up my speed across the arena, keeping slight contact, just slight, to guide him to the point that I want. 
If he leans a little bit, I'll just help him with the rein. And when I get about 30 feet from the fence, I'll bring him down to the jog, jog him straight up to the fence, keeping him straight. I don't want him to break down to the jog and immediately dive into my circle. Notice I say 30 feet from the fence, so you have time to slow him down to a jog. Make sure you have, you know, 10, 15 strides or so, jogging straight, and then into my circles, the opposite way he was leaning. If he didn't lean at all, then I'll just pick a direction. If he had one that he's particularly stiff towards, I'll take him that direction. Or if he didn't lean either way and he's not particularly stiff a direction or the other, I may just jog him up to the fence or jog him, say, five, ten strides and then walk him the rest of the way up to the fence and then walk him a couple circles and try it again. You know, that would be my ideal is if I run the horse down and I get 30 feet from the fence and I slow him down to the jog and he does that well, well, then I'll just let him walk and I'll walk him up to the fence. And then when I get to the fence, if I want to double check that, hey, don't be th- don't be getting too too in love with being down here. I don't want you to take off now. I don't want you to crave being down here. Then I may, after I've walked him up to the fence, I may jog a couple circles and then break him back down to the walk for my lead departure. But in doing this exercise, what I'm doing is I'm running him to a, to a rest almost, in a way, essentially. It's not a true rest because after we slow him down to the jog and let him quote-unquote rest as we jog him to the fence, then we also jog three, four circles so there is work element involved. So it's not like he's going to get addicted to that rest. But it's really bump up the gear, get the motor revving, bring the RPMs back down, let him relax. And in doing that, it's like you're expanding you're slowly expanding every time you speed him up and then bring him back down to that comfort zone, that relaxing zone. You expand that comfort zone. And so with in doing that, you just slowly build that confidence. Because again, that's probably the most important. Over running straight is running confidently. So I think that's a great way to introduce that rundown to, this, to a young horse especially. And as far as your time frame, like I kind of alluded to earlier, as a general rule, if I'll probably, you know, as a general rule, I'm probably going to stop the horse as a two-year-old almost every day, but not true stopping. Like I'm going to check my woe throughout my ride. So it's not an actual stop. I'll just say, lope my circles and I'm happy with my circles. I might just say, whoa, on the circle. I may turn him off the circle and say, whoa, I may turn him off the circle and draw. I'll throw it in anywhere to keep him mentally engaged, but it's not an actual maneuver. But I may work on the actual maneuver itself say, maybe two times a week, you know, in a row, two days in a row. I'm not going to do it on a Monday and then a Friday. I'm not going to get any value out of that. I may do it on a on a Thursday and a Friday if I've had a good week of prep before that, or maybe a Wednesday and a Thursday. And then I have Friday and Saturday to go work on my rundowns. And it's, and it's as a general rule, whatever you do with your stopping, you have to go and back it up by fixing it almost that's you know a bad word to use but stomping the horse you shorten them up mentally running the horse working on your rundowns you lengthen them mentally you get you get them thinking run you get them freed up so everything i do with my stopping i always balance it then by going back and working on my rundown so it's almost like two days of stopping and then afterwards two days of rundown to almost kind of erase or remove that short-mindedness that the horse will develop from lots of stopping If I'm going to stop the horse on Wednesday, Thursday, and then I've got Friday, Saturday to touch back up my rundowns, or even if I go, let's say, Thursday, Friday, and then I can finish on a Saturday, finish my ride working on some rundowns, or maybe I want to close out my week with stopping. It all depends kind of on the horse. If I have one that's maybe a bit more 
forward, I may finish my week, say I'm going to, you know, the last day I wrote in that week would be maybe a Friday or a Saturday. I may finish his week with two days of stopping. So he's thinking shorter. And then next week, on let's say I give him Sunday off. Well, then Monday rolls around. What was the last thing he remembers from our rides? Well, stopping, right? Well, if I have a lazy one, I may finish the weekend the week with two days of running. If I have a lazy one, I may, the day before I stop him, I'll do a day of, of working on my rundowns. Uh, same thing like with a, a more forward horse. I may do a day or maybe two of rundowns before I actually stop him and close out my week with stopping. It all kind of depends on that horse. But as a general rule, I'd like to get two sessions of real stopping done with him every week. And because stopping, you can't, it's not something that's just going to happen on its own. In order to get it continually improving, they're natural talent to a point, but you also, it's not an exercise that the horse can just pick up and run with as well. You have to practice it in order to teach them to stop well. So I like to do two days of stopping and then say two days of rundown to balance that throughout the week. You know, it's not set in stone, but that's kind of a general guideline of what I like to follow.